0: Welcome, everybody. I'm Dr. Hester Wilson, a GP and addiction medicine specialist working in Sydney, and I have the pleasure today of talking with two wonderful people, Dr. Kate Fennessy, who's the senior clinical psychologist and clinical lead at Gamble Aware in South East Sydney, and a wonderful person with lived experience, Paul, who's going to be joining us and talking about his experience dealing with gambling in his life. So I wanted to go to Paul straight up. First of all, tell us a little bit about you, a little bit about your you, the story of your gambling, uh, and and you know how it affected you and your family.
1: Yeah, thank you, Hester. Uh, so I'm currently forty eight years old, and I probably had my first bet when I was twenty years of age. Uh, it was nothing too serious initially. Uh, I hang around with some uh, friends at the time who were into gambling, and it was all quite normalized and so eventually curiosity got the better of me and I had a a bet on a horse and for the first kind of 10 years or so it was nothing too serious I would just bet on uh, big race days Uh, there was certainly no harms at that stage it started to really uh, get serious for me when I joined an online betting uh, platform in 2012 so from 2012 to 2018 those six years uh, was when uh, it really, like I said, spiraled out of control. Um, from that point there, um, yeah, I, I was affected in, in a number of ways. Um, I, I was at times severely depressed. I was at, at times suicidal. Um, uh, my marriage certainly suffered as a result of this. I went through numerous kind of separations. I had a young uh, son at the time. And it just changed me completely um, towards those, the, the latter stages of that period there, I would say from 2016 to 2018, I was betting every day. Uh, I'd lost so much money and I had, uh, I was, I was racked with guilt, racked with shame. I would, you know, I was barely sleeping. All I could think about was how I'm going to get out of this situation that I'm in. Um, at the time, My only kind of strategy was to continue betting, to chase my losses and try and get out of it. Uh, Unfortunately, the worse that I felt uh, within myself, the more I tended to return to my kind of uh, escapism default behavior, which was drinking and gambling. So it was this massive hole that I continued to dig myself into. And really, I was a shell of a man. I, I really wasn't present as a husband. I wasn't present as a father i was around but i wasn't really there um and I, I was just coasting looking for a way to get out of this um i began borrowing money off my my mother who was retired and uh, over that kind of period i drained my mother's superannuation fund of seventy thousand dollars uh i was withdrawing from my household mortgage essentially stealing money from from my family and my wife without her knowledge. Uh, we had an investment property at the time. And so all the money that we would get, uh, return on tax, I would take that to cover my credit. So I was in a lot of credit debt. I was in debt, um, to my mother. I was just constantly, uh, chasing my tail. And, uh, it got to a point in, it was actually Christmas Eve of 2017 uh, where I had nowhere left to go. I, I woke up and, uh, I really didn't want to wake up. That was, that's how I felt at the time. Um, I just lost $25,000 in, in one gambling session by myself sitting in a club just hours earlier. And um, I was maxed out. My, my credit was maxed. I couldn't go back to my mum for money. I had no money in my bank account. So that was really the only point where, where I admitted it, took some accountability and said, I, I have an issue. And within a week I had told my my dead wife, Um she, for this period of time, for, the, for all these years, she knew something was wrong. She'd constantly ask me. Um, she actually thought I was having an affair. And so she, she was kind of living with that. Um, I wasn't, but I'd just fob it off and say, you know, I was stressed at work or, you know, I just wasn't feeling well within myself or I was tired. But she knew there was a problem. When I told her at this point, it was a, obviously a very difficult conversation she was completely devastated. and It was not so much the money, it was more the deceit because we had been through this so many times. And uh, as far as she was concerned, I wasn't gambling. Um, she did stick by me though, which which was fantastic. But unfortunately, it was all kind of too, too much. Um, over the next six, I, I did see a counsellor at that point, uh, which helped, gave me some strategies, uh, made me... Kind of destigmatized the whole issue within myself, and, and made me understand that it's uh, it's not on my fault, and that you know this can happen to anybody, it can happen to good people. I uh, saw a financial counselor, which got me some out, out of some, some you know, kind of immediate issues and, and kind of financial crisis that I was in. Um, but it put a big strain on our relationship, and we continued to argue um, kind of regularly. So, um, and it also. It greatly impacted the relationship between my mother and my, my ex-wife. They were very close. They had, a, they had a good relationship. When I was borrowing the money off my mum, she made me promise that I'd get help and that I'd, I'd speak to my wife about it, but I didn't. And so when my wife found out that my mum had been lending me money, she, she felt deeply hurt by that. And so it strained the whole relationship. Um, so it was kind of a snowball effect, um, you know, and it, and it kind of rippled on. Um, Ultimately, uh, I was lapsing, you know, even though I was kind of in recovery and and speaking to a counsellor, my my wife and I would argue and fight, and at that stage, I just didn't have the coping strategies or mechanisms to deal. So I was fight or flight, and I would fly back into drinking and gambling whenever I just couldn't cope with the tension or the conflict. Um, Fortunately, I ran into a mate on my third lapse, and instead of lending me money, um, as I expected him to do, he pulled me aside and um, suggested that I uh, get referred into a, a, an in-house rehab facility. And um, that very night he was on his mobile phone and he, uh, he made an appointment with my GP so I could see my GP that the following Monday morning. And within a couple of weeks, I went into a, a three week inpatient program at South Coast Private Hospital. And it was kind of based on addiction and mental health, not gambling specifically, uh, but essentially that changed my life. What while I was while I was in this, now I call it a bubble, or I call it the red mist or the bubble. But while I was in the throes of this addiction, it's very hard to get have any perspective. I really couldn't see outside of the bubble because all I could literally think about was my next bet and the trouble I was having and how and how I could get out of it. And um, it was only when I I was removed from it altogether, obviously, in this program, I couldn't drink, uh, I couldn't gamble. I had professionals around me, I was fed. Um, All I had to worry about was kind of learning and recovery. And um, for for the first time, I had enough peace around me, where I could actually have some perspective and um, look back. And not only did I learn about, you know, my triggers and a lot of strategies to minimise my harm and minimise risk, which is super important. But over and above that, it was a very holistic kind of thing for me where I learned where I, I delved into why, why was, I, why was I making these decisions? And, um, and I realized for the first time um, in retrospect how unhappy I was in every, with every aspect of my life. I it unhappy within myself, within my relationship, within my work. And instead of kind of facing that and making the changes I, I needed to make um, to be happier. I was just running away from it and escaping into drinking and gambling. So at this point I decided to make some changes and, you know, uh, I learned about cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I learned about gratitude. I learned about mindfulness. So a lot of things that I practice to this day and I I changed as a person. I I came out of there, I believe a different person. And it's not, um, it's not a straight, it's not straightforward. I didn't, when I came out of rehab, I didn't have a bet for a year. And then I got cocky and decided to, reward myself because uh, I felt good about the fact that I hadn't had a bet for a year. Uh, So then I I had a small bet, which, you know, kind of got out of control and I lost more money. And um, I learned that it's not something that goes away and it's something that, you know, I have to continue to manage to this very day. And I I also now know now very well, the difference between a lapse and a relapse and the fact that recovery is very rarely a straight line, uh, I would say probably never. And there's going to be dips, And um, now when I lapse, instead of beating myself up and catastrophizing the next morning and just going back to bed to try and get out of the situation, I I kind of collect myself and um, think about the situation and the circumstances around that lapse. Who was I with? Where was I? Did I have access to cash? Um, And I try and take a learning from every lapse. And as a consequence, my lapses are now few and far between. And I also compare myself now to where I was, you know, five, six years ago and and I am able to uh, appreciate the progress I've made. Um, so I would say now that I'm, I'm in recovery, but I've definitely heard a lot of people along the way. Uh, my marriage is now over. Um, we are separated, soon to be divorced. Uh, my son is now 10, um, but what I will say is that I'm the happiest I've ever been. I've nearly paid off all my debt um i understand what fulfillment and happiness is now and i understand that that's driven by human connection and by appreciating what we have um i live in the present i get up i think about the day i don't look back i don't look forward um i appreciate my son my life all the blessings that i have um and you know i understand the the importance of exercise of diet of sleep hygiene these are things that when i went to rehab you know i I put in place straight away I started training when I was in rehab. I lost 15 kilos, you know, pretty quickly. Um, I now maintain that that health uh, life balance. I'm out of the industry I was in, which was certainly more high pressure and harder work. I now work for an NGO. I do youth work and I do project uh, project work for a local charity, which um, gives me a great sense of fulfilment. I don't work very hard. I work about 30 hours a week. Um, so, I have a great work life balance. I, I do what I need to do to look after myself. I understand the importance of um, kind of holistic well wellbeing. Um, and that's now how I live my life. I, I work with the Gambling Impact Society of New South Wales. I've been a lived experience speaker for two or three years. Uh, not long before I was a, not long after being a lived experience speaker, I was on the committee. And now for a year, I've been the chairperson. So, that work, you know, helps me. A, to stay on track and B, um, it makes me feel like I'm turning a negative into a positive um, because, you know, I've done a lot of harm to myself and and other people along the way. So if I can somehow try and harness that and and help people and uh, be a part of kind of early intervention and awareness and education, then uh, then that certainly um, helps me feel good.
0: Thanks, Paul. So, so wonderful to hear your story. The things that I'm noticing out of it is the amount of time. So it's now, you know, you you, gambled as a young person, but it had been a bit of fun. Mm. But then in 2012, it became um, problematic. And now 10 years down the track, um, you're you're still managing uh, the fallout from that. And and it's not just, you know, when I think about gambling, I think about, well, you're going to lose money. But it's not just the, the, the debt. It's not just the financial debt. It's, it's the, the effect on relationships with your family, with your, your wife, with your mother, the secrecy, um, the, the, the hurt uh, that, that comes from that, um, but also the mental health impact as well. Kate, I just wanted to ask you, whole story, is that, is that a common story that you hear in, in, in your practice?
2: Thanks, Hester. And thank you, Paul. You know, I think we clinicians can talk all day, um, but actually it's a thousand times more powerful coming from somebody with lived experience, you know. Uh, And I will say a lot of the time, patients who we see come through in my rooms, that is a very common experience, that people will have a period where they've had um, controlled gambling and then something changes can be something small and they can enter into a period where the gambling becomes almost like a trap where they're chasing their losses and it's not out of you know greed or or um wanting to harm other people it's actually to try to solve the problems that are caused by gambling and that chasing that that paul described um, can happen for a very long time before uh, the received knowledge when i first entered this field was that people would enter into treatment 10 years after having gambling harms. And that I think still is the average over most addictions. But nowadays what we're starting to see and speaking to my colleagues across New South Wales is that people are starting to come into treatment a little earlier. Um, In fact, I saw somebody just the other day who'd only been gambling, I say only, um, you can do a lot of damage in a short amount of time with gambling, but they'd only been gambling for three months problematically. And I was just so pleased to see them at that that point because, what Paul's experiencing is is really common where there are those relapsing and remitting times where they would have tried to manage things in a myriad of different ways and then sometimes had lapses or relapses um, and tried different ingredients. And then there is something that that works. And usually the gold standard treatment is still cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what Paul mentioned helped him, um, building up those skills. And then there's a period where you know, life happens and we have to work with people to maintain their abstinence. Um, And that can be that there are slips during that time. And that time is also very special because people are integrating the therapy that they've received and the changes that they've made and their life is changing. Um, And, you know, it's not just about stopping a problematic behaviour, it's about building a meaningful life after that time as well. So it can be you know, it can be a long term, um, you know, treatment course with lots of different ingredients for people. And you also asked me about harms um, and how those developed and and what Paul described was very typical in a way there too, where because gambling can be so build so much shame and so much guilt um, in people it it can lead to those suicidal thoughts and feelings and and we see that in about 50% of people who come through Um, and the financial harm is financial health is one of the main indicators of psychological and physical health so there can be a lot of harms there just from the financial fallout but the erosion of trust happens over time with relationships so relationships take a hit and they often take a hit later on as Paul described too
0: Uh, And, Paul, just thinking, you said said that you had a friend who took you aside rather than giving you money, which is what you expected, he took you aside, and then he called your GP. Can I ask you about the conversation that you had with your GP and and how that helped or didn't help?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I guess its I, I certainly will answer that question. It's probably relevant to go back even a couple of years before that point because I certainly as I mentioned, I struggled with this for a number of years. Now, I, um, I've i had the same GP for a, a very long time, you know, probably half my adult life. Um, from 2010, uh, I, w- I actually started to see a psychologist referred by my GP. Now, now not, not gambling related specifically, just to do with depression and anxiety. Um, and I'll just note that I saw a psychologist for about two years, from two thousand and ten to two thousand and twelve, and I would often speak about bouts of gambling that 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 I would have, and it was never it was never pursued. It was never um, the information that I gave when I when I look back now in hindsight was never picked up on. Um, it was never a specific area that that, that particular psychologist thought, well, the, this might be problematic. Perhaps we need to focus on this or seek specialist help. Um, it never happened. And to the point where after about two years, I, I almost had to beg him. I, I was like, help me. <laughs> I need help in relation to this specifically. And, um, and he was like, well, you need to go and see a you know a specialist psychologist so um so that's probably the first thing i'll I'll make a note of um when my mate uh yeah he got on his phone and through the health app he he made an appointment with my gp and i went to see him Uh, my gp um was terrific he was non-judgmental um you know he sat he listened to me he was obviously aware of a lot of my situation and, and issues within my life he had a good understanding of my history he had no hesitation in referring me to um, to this centre. Um, it was written all over me just how bad a state I was in, and um, he could see that. And I guess it's not so much, yeah, the way the way he, he took that information and how he handled it was great. But I would say ever since then, and and when was it two thousand eighteen? I went in there. We're now in two thousand twenty-two for the, for the four years after. He's constantly checking in with me. Every time I go there, no matter what, what, what it's regarding, um, could be cause I've got a sniffle. Uh, he'll ask how I'm doing in terms of, you know, being on track with drinking and gambling. And he's also aware of my work with the gambling impact society. And it's, it makes me feel good. Cause he's, he almost has a sense of pride there. He's very encouraging. You know, he, he's, he's, um, certainly made it known that he, that he thinks it's great what I'm doing. And, um, and that kind of that kind of helps me. So um, yeah, and, and the other thing that he did my GP, I would say, is that he he focused a little bit on the the kind of correlation between drinking, um, alcohol consumption and gambling harms. So, you know, I, I did most, if not all, of my real damage when I was, you know, affected by alcohol and or drugs. And um and yeah, he he's he was really quick to hone in on that, and he checks in on that, and he's just put he he even has put some kind of um, informal boundaries in in place with me, just things for me to think about in terms of my drinking, um, because he knows that that can lead to you know, just poor decision making, and um, it is a way to you know it could could be a, a way to kind of lapse as such. So yeah. So Paul, the things that.
0: Come, it, that stand out to me in that is is the the importance of that long term relationship with your GP, the GP that knew you, that yeah. knew your history, uh, and how important that is. The non judgmental approach that your GP took, and the fact that he 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 knew you, he saw that it was were, there were real issues, and he got you to treatment quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, just wondering about um, the treatments. We've spoken a little bit about the the CBT. Um, Paul's also spoken about mindfulness and and gratitude. What about inpatient treatment and what about the role of drugs and alcohol? Thanks thanks, uh, for that
2: question, Hester. I think for around about a third of people who have problems with gambling, another addiction is also in the picture. And as Paul was saying, you know, a little bit of alcohol, doesn't have to be a huge amount, switches off, me, you, everyone, all of our decision-making processes, the part of our brain that says, wait a minute, what are you doing? Um, So sometimes when people are quite dependent, you know, inpatient treatment is helpful. Uh, It certainly was helpful for Paul just to have that circuit breaker, that time out of his life, away from his everyday triggers. The thing with gambling is that money is the lifeblood of gambling and we all have to handle money. So there can be a lot of positives for inpatient treatment and and one of them is actually that people in our lives will sit up and take notice when we say that we're going to rehab um or you know that we're going to ga sometimes uh i had a patient the other day telling me that his friends he really needed his friends to hear that he was having a problem and they weren't really fully understanding the impact on him and on his marriage until he said, I'm going to GA, and then they all paid attention. So, so inpatient treatment can be really indicated when there's um, a co-occurring addiction, especially when there needs to be you know, a period of detox, uh, but also when there's some psychiatric conditions or when perhaps the picture is a little bit more complex for people when they don't have stability of housing, for example, um, or food security. Uh, or if, if the person just really says, look, I've tried, a lot of different other ways of doing this. And I I think I need some time away, a more intensive period of skill building. So that can be really helpful. One of the things that we do say about inpatient treatment is that when people come back out into their lives, they also continue to need support. And for, for Paul, that's great that he had his GP as that constant and still has that relationship, which is beautiful. Um, but sometimes if the, if the inpatient rehab doesn't have follow-up outpatient programming, sometimes they do, um, you know, that might be a good time to come and see a specialist psychological service or counseling service, just to help manage you know, everyday life
0: and, and uh, re-entering back into to, um, the daily rhythm. So, Kate, one of the um, things that you've said there, and, 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 and certainly Paul mentioned it, was that he was seeing a psychologist, but he needed to see a specialist gambling psychologist. Is that the case? I'm just thinking of myself as a GP and my colleagues as GPs. Is there a need to, to send someone to a specific gambling um, service or somebody that has experience in that area or do psychologists the people that we usually refer to for other mental health issues do they have those skills are there specialist skills
2: well cognitive behavioral therapy most psychologists will be able to deliver cognitive behavioral therapy but I think we've hit something really important that a lot of psychologists this is quite a specialist area and that even within addictions there are things that are specific about gambling addiction so you know, I'm not going to be saying that seeing a generalist psychologist will be unhelpful, but if uh, we are in the fortunate position in New South Wales, at least, that there is that accessible, free, uh, hopefully um, timely service for people where they can come along and see a specialist. And so even if the person has an existing relationship with a psychologist, we can see the person for the CBT-specific treatment for that for that. Um, skill building period of time, which only sometimes it can be as short as 10 sessions to 12 sessions just to build those skills. And then, you know, we can inform, uh, help the um, more general psychologist uh, and work with them to to see them more long term to ensure that the patient's integrating those skills. But I, I do think it's a specialist area. And isn't that why we're here so that we can we can make sure we raise awareness and ensure that all our health practitioners know that this is a serious health condition and that there is free and accessible treatment for people. So the, the gold standard treatment, as I said, is cognitive behavioral therapy for adults. And f- for younger people, it is also cognitive behavioral therapy, but sometimes it's integrating in family-based treatment as well for that younger cohort of people. And young people can have problems with gambling as well.
0: I guess the other thing is also um, financial counselling, uh, relationship counselling, those kinds of things, because of the impact that has there. Paul, I just wanted to come back to your relationship with your long-standing GP. So this had been an issue for you since two thousand and twelve, and you first raised it with your GP in two thousand and eighteen did you raise it before or or the other question is could I as your GP or could your GP have raised it with you earlier and how might they have raised it what 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 would have been helpful earlier on
1: yeah that's a a really good question um to be honest with you I I don't think I did actually raise it before before then um if I had it, it would have been it certainly wouldn't have been um you know too overt it was probably kind of just just in, in passing um but no i can't recall speaking to my gp specifically about this probably because i may have just had this sense like how's he, how's he going to help me you know what i mean um this isn't you know what i mean like it was it was probably more my assumptions in terms of who can help me and who, and who couldn't help me um but certainly if I had, if there had been, um, anything, um, you know, that I had mentioned, then, then I I think it's important. I think the reason we're all here is that that's really got to be picked up on and it's got to be explored In, in the same way that, you know, any kind of suicidal ideation is now, once there's a hint, once there's a, you know, something there, it's kind of got to be seized on. And I think, um, it, it, the way to handle it from my perspective would be, you know, again, to be non-judgmental, but to be quite direct in terms of, you know, you, you mentioned gambling or have, has, you know, do you gamble it? Has it impacted your life? How, how is it impacting your life? You know, has it? do you feel it's, it's had any harms on your life? Has it impacted yourself, those around you? And it can be as simple as that. And, and had I been asked, I would have opened up because uh, I don't have an issue. But but I don't I don't think it was ever asked. And again, some of that might be might have been on me because I was probably just assuming that my GP wouldn't know too much about it, or it wasn't particularly relevant in the conversations that I was having.
0: So you would have been happy to talk to your GP about it. You had that trusting relationship. You didn't raise it because you weren't sure if it was your GP would be able to help you. But what you're saying is, I would have. I would have loved it if my GP
1: was uh, a uh, Simple question. 100%. Wow. I mean, like, and, and this is the reason I do what I do. And traditionally and typically, um, this whole, this the whole thing around gambling and seeking gambling help has been very reactive, right? And so what we need to do, and I, th- I think the, the, the path we're on, is to make people understand that there is help available. And uh, as Kate mentioned, you know, it's, it's free, it's timely, it's there. So I encourage people the minute that they are, they're impacted in any kind of negative way, they're experiencing any form of harm as a result of gambling to speak up and seek help. might just be a conversation. Um, but, you know, typically what happens is people wait. They wait till they've hit rock bottom or they've, you know, done a lot of damage to themselves. They've hurt people around them. They're in massive amounts of debt. They've broken the law. Or god forbid they've, they've attempted suicide um and in, indeed you know uh we know that a lot of people do take their own lives um because of gambling issues um so um so the message is yes it, it speak up and certainly i think from a gp's perspective just to have it on the radar um, as something that's so prevalent in today's society and we call it the silent addiction because people don't want to talk about it um, people are ashamed um, you know they, they they're guilty. they guilty they they feel silly um, so certainly no harm in asking the question
0: so ask do you gamble has your gamble yeah. caused you any problems yeah Have you had any problems in the last 12 months so simple simple question yeah the important thing though for us as, as GPs is then what do we do once we've ask that question, we're busy, we're, we've got a lot, you know, the screen, there's always screaming kids in the, in the waiting room. So, Kate, where do we send someone? Where do we get that support and how can we continue to support while they're undertaking treatment?
2: I think it's a really good sign that these conversations are happening now. You know, a decade ago, this just was not in the media. It, You know, and few and far between medical practitioners were asking the question. So, uh, you know, it's great any GPs, the GPs that are listening, thank you, um, and asking the question is the first, you know, really the first step. Um, the person doesn't need to be 100% resolved that they want to stop gambling completely to come into treatment. You know, as Paul was saying, oftentimes people are entering into formal treatment when there just a consequences that they just cannot ignore anymore, and often they're not in a good spot obviously um when they're coming along and and that's fine and we want to see them and we're there for them however somebody could be really in early stages they could be quite ambivalent part of them might want to stop and know that it's a problem another part of them might think no i i just really want to keep going um they can still you know hopefully they can still we can make it a smooth and easy route for them to come into to formal treatment um so GambleWare has lots of services that cover the entirety of New South Wales. Those include uh, larger services um, that employ clinical psychologists and psychologists, as well as counsellors, financial counsellors, which are a very important piece of the puzzle here, um, and also you know family-based treatment and relationship support. We also have multicultural services, Aboriginal-specific services, and a, a host of other sort of um, awareness raising services as well so there's the gamble aware um, website is a really good place for gps to access resources and to get in touch with their local service but it is a centralized um, intake process so i think one of the main barriers to treatment can often be that you know people are aware thinking that they might be judged by the person so i just I wanna say that we, we see people with gambling problems all the time, every day, and um, the patient is not alone in this. Um, and we can see patients at any stage of you know, motivation or level of awareness. So I would be really happy to take your referral.
0: I would just add, uh, this is a New South Wales RECGP podcast, but many of my colleagues might be listening to this who work in the ACT or outside New South Wales. And there are free confidential gambling programs around Australia. So there is a, a national website, You know, please check that out, but there is treatment available. So that's what's important for me as a, as a GP. I know my patients want me to ask, I know it's an issue for many people, I can ask and I can support them to actually seek treatment. And one of the things that we know is that me as a GP with that strong therapeutic alliance with my patients can really support someone to actually take that referral and run with it. And over the time that um, my patient is seeing someone in that specialist service, I am there to support them as as Paul found with his GP. I wanted now to just um, ask... Paul, about being in a crisis and, and, and how you might be assisted in, in that um, mm. situation.
1: Yeah, thanks, Hester. Um, while I say the rehab was the, the inpatient three week rehabilitation program was really the catalyst for me, um, I cannot understate how important the initial counselling was. When I made that decision to take accountability, What I did at that time is I called the gambling hotline and um, I I was on the phone to someone and they referred me directly to a local Mission Australia gambling counsellor. So uh, I think the same day um, I I had spoken to that Mission Australia counsellor and within a couple of days, I I was literally in the office uh, undertaking my my first session with that uh, gambling counsellor, no charge. So it was very quick from there. I was put straight in touch with a financial counsellor. So at that, at that stage there, I was in crisis. Like I was, I couldn't see a way out. It was hopeless for me. I was in total, total crisis. And the importance of seeing a, a gambling specific counsellor in my mind is that they recognise this, that they deal with this every day. And so they, can, they, they, they know how to kind of take that in and to quickly make you understand that there are many others in the same situation and that you can get through it, there is hope, and then we just kind of chip away at the important things like, how are you going to pay the bills for the next week, let's get you in front of a financial counsellor who can advocate for you, or remember at the stage I had a tax bill, and um, they told me exactly what to say to the tax department, so you know I could I could get on a plan and, and things of things of that nature. You know, you prepare budgets, this, that, and the other. Um, but if it wasn't for the fact that I saw the counselling, the the gambling counsellor um, very quickly, and I could get through that moment of crisis, and that I could understand that I can, that you know, the sun's gonna the right sun's gonna rise tomorrow. I can get through this. There is hope. You know, it might take a bit of work, but I'm I'm on the right track. I may have never got to the point where, where I went into that, to that rehab program and was able to take a kind of more holistic view. So in terms of just minimising the heart, quick strategies, understanding your triggers, what you need to do to prevent yourself um, from getting in those same situations over and over again, um, I, I think to seek specialist gambling counselling is is key.
0: So hope that things can change is is really important, Paul. Look, I wanted to give you both the chance to to have some final takeaways. Kate, first of all, I'll I'll ask you, what are your your important takeaways for me and, and my GP colleagues?
2: I guess we know what works for people, and that's several points that we've already touched upon. But sometimes it's worth repeating that for people who are struggling at any stage of their gambling problems and also partners and family members who are affected by gambling, Um, What works is free, actually, um, treatment that's specialist that is really confidential and that people are not going to be worried about this going onto any, you know, Medicare records or uh, to be broadcast on clinical notes. Um, So being really confidential uh, is is really important. Um, And that holistic view where we are referring to a network, a team where sometimes there can be higher risk so we can manage that other times it might be that a financial counselor's indicated. So we work within a team to support that person. And, and that's what we know that works for people. So Gamble Aware in New South Wales is a no wrong door approach. So anyone who contacts any of the services there, we attempt to see them in a really timely fashion in a way that suits them. So that can be face-to-face telehealth, um, out of hours, business hours, those types of things, because a lot of our patients work full time. And, and actually, that just really helps people engage, um, because it needs to be something that's accessible and that people can feel like, yes, even when I'm in a crisis, even when I'm feeling like I'm at rock bottom, I can have this conversation. And sometimes that can, that can be the key that, that turns the corner.
0: And Kate, just flagging that gambler aware services are available to families as well as the person who's, who's, who's gambling. Paul, I wanted to um, just express to you how wonderful it is for me as a GP to, to hear your story and to hear... Um, the process that you've gone to, through and the place that you're in now, the good place that you're in now, um, happier than you ever have been with a life of meaning and connection and how important that is. I wanted to give you a chance to, to let my colleagues know, what, what, what are your takeaways? What are the important takeaways?
1: Thank you, Esther. Nice of you to say that. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, look, I think um, this issue is so prevalent and, you know, it was... It was the it was the accessibility of gambling, the access of online gambling. You know, you can literally bet on anything, anywhere in the world at any time. It is at your fingertips. When you win, you think you're invincible and that you'll just keep betting, right? Because you're going to keep winning. If you don't win, you think you can get it back. So it's a double-edged sword. And I'm 48, but I, but I consider myself a young 48. I mix with young people. I know young people. Um, a lot of young males specifically, and and the the, the percentage of, of people who, when they turn 18, they have at least one online betting app or gaming app is staggering. And it's a normalized part of Australian society and culture. We're bombarded with marketing. We're bombarded with messaging. And um, GPs need to be aware of how how much of a problem this is now, or how much of an issue it is. Um, you know um and they need to ask the question just just ask the question okay um just even if it's not if even if that that particular person doesn't respond or doesn't admit at least it's a little seed that's planted there it's the beginning of a conversation of that of that kind of early intervention and awareness so um look look for look for signs and just ask the question
0: thank you so much So ask the question. We see the vast majority of Australians every year in general practice. I think ask the question as we would any other uh, question around uh, exercise, mood, diet, um, smoking, alcohol, other drugs. Ask the question. and, And know where to refer. And here in New South Wales we have wonderful Uh, Dr. Kate with the Gamble Aware, um, and and that is all around the state and around Australia as well. There are services that we can refer to. Kate, I wanted to thank you for your time today. Uh, It's brilliant having such expertise um, to help us assist our patients uh, to the best that we possibly can. And, Paul, thank you. Thank you so much. It is so important to hear that story. And and, and for me, it's asking and asking early and supporting and knowing that there can be really fantastic outcomes. I I thank you so much for sharing your story with us today uh, and and wish you all the best. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. A great pleasure. Thanks, Esther.
2: Thanks, Paul.